Welcome back to another episode of the Creekside Podcast. Tune in each week with Drew and James to hear a relevant conversation about a biblical topic. Thanks for joining. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Creekside Podcast. I'm Drew. And I'm James. We're going to be talking today about the church. If you've missed any of our past podcasts about the church, we've done two other episodes mm-hmm. on this. What, um, what, what is the church? Yes, thank yeah. you. What is the church? And uh, what was the second one? The mission of the, the church. Or what does the church, church do? That's yeah. right. So today we're going to be talking about the importance of the church. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I want to start and just give a couple of resources, maybe, um, that kind of have influenced my thinking on this. Uh, I mean, the first is obviously the Bible, right? Um, before you go around and start criticizing churches um, and saying that this is or this isn't what the church should be doing, I just encourage you to just go back and read the New Testament, see what it says. Um, and I think if you look at the New Testament with a church lens, it kind of helps. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see some of that today in some scripture we're going to look at. Um, another ministry I've really benefited from is a ministry called Nine Marks Ministry. Uh, you can go to ninemarks.org, and they are a a church that's about building healthy, or a, a ministry that's about building healthy churches. They're, they're not a church, um, but they're a ministry that's really been uh, instrumental and in, in kind of shaping some of my thinking about membership and about you know church discipline and some of those things we'll talk about later um, in the uh, in the course of this conversation. But I want to kind of recommend three books um, that they uh, that they've kind of helped with. The first is a book by Mark Dever, um, who's the pastor of Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Uh, it's a book called Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. Uh, it's just a really good, uh, and that's that's the book that the ministry is is kind of named after. That's kind of their their his seminal work, I guess, on the church. It's just a book that really kind of asks some questions, like how do you know you're in a healthy church, and what is a health, what are the characteristics or the marks of a healthy church? Uh, it's a really good resource. Really shaped my thinking. I read it probably about ten years ago, and uh, really just kind of changed the trajectory on the way I thought about. Uh, some of the things we're talking about here on the church. Um, he's got another book called The Church. Uh, it's a shorter book, and it's gonna. It might be a little bit more theological language, but again, really helpful kind of definition. Put some guardrails in on uh, what is the church, uh, so to speak. And they've got a bunch of great resources, articles, interviews, videos, all that kind of stuff there at ninemarks.org. Another book I want to mention related to what we just talked about um, is a book by Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert called What is the Mission of the Church? Uh, That's going to kind of answer some of the questions that we talked about there. Not sure he lands in the exact same place that we do, but it's definitely a similar trajectory there. And I think it's a really helpful work to consider that there are definitely some things the church should be focused on. And there's some things that the church probably shouldn't. And so and we need to know the difference between those two things. Where are we going to give our time, effort, energy, and attention? You know, is it to the things that the, the Bible says are the mission of the church, or is it to some things that maybe we like doing? Uh, maybe they seem, they make us feel good, but maybe they're not actually quite as important as we think that they are. So just want to give a couple of those uh, recommendations there. Uh, I'm a big reader, uh, and I've, I've, met, I've been... Uh, sharpened a lot by the ministry of reading good books, and so just want to give some people some yeah. uh, some recommendations there. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, let's get straight into the importance of the church. Um, so my first question is, why is a church important to the Christian life? Great question, and I want to give a few different answers. Um, I want to start with a, a, a story or an anecdote first. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, I had a friend uh, who I'd kind of grown up with, you know, he's he's a he's a good friend of mine, and uh, he was he was living in a city, you know, a couple probably forty five minutes away from um, where where we were at the time, and he was kind of home for for something in, during the summer, and he's about to get married, and so I remember I was hanging out with him and his 
uh, fiance at the time. And I was asking them about, you know, some kind of things. And they were telling me they were going through marriage counseling at this church and all that kind of stuff. And I said, oh, well, what, what church are you guys a member of? And uh, she kind of said, you know, I don't think we're, I don't think we're members of any church. I said, oh, so you're not members of the church where you're doing your premarital counseling. And she said, no, they don't have membership. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I said, how do they know who's like a part of the church? And she, she kind of said, well, I, you know, I just am really concerned about finding a church that is biblical. And where in the Bible does it say that you have to have church membership? And I thought that was a really good question. I thought it was a really honest and fair question. And so part of, part of what we want to answer there um, is related to that question. I think we're going to have an episode later on this season just about membership. But really what was underneath her, her question there is why is the church important to the Christian life? Like, why is it important that I belong to a church? And later on, we're going to talk more about membership. But I just want to give a few different answers to this really good question. Why should a Christian belong to a church? First, and I think most importantly, is because Jesus says that Christians should belong to a church. To give a couple of textual uh, reasons why, Matthew 16 um, and Matthew 18. The Lord Jesus only uses the word church two times in the whole New Testament. Okay, So Paul talks a lot about the church. The apostles talk a lot about the church. But as far as Jesus, from the mouth of the Lord Jesus, two times in the New Testament, Matthew 16, Matthew 18. Let me give you those, uh, those scriptures here. Matthew 16, 18 says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um, and there's a lot of debate on this um, on this verse. What does the rock refer to? Does it refer to Peter or does it refer to Peter's confession? Um, I, I think I want to go a third way and say, and I had a friend who, who mentioned this to me, that Peter is kind of like the... Um, the prototypical Christian um, that he is, you know, he's the first person that is saying, "Yes, I confess that Jesus is the Jesus that you are the Christ," um, and also by my confession, Jesus will use Peter in a in a prominent way in the life of the church, just as he will use all Christians in the life of the church. So um, the reason that the church exists today is actually not because of Peter or not because of the Pope, because of all of the thousands and thousands and millions of ordinary people who have made the same confession that Peter has. And Peter kind of speaks on behalf of the apostles there. Um, and then notice what Jesus says, that he's going to build the church. Jesus is building the church, and it will be successful. The gates of hell will not prevail. Yeah. Second time Jesus talks about the church is in Matthew 18, verse 17. Uh, and this is in the context of church discipline, which is another topic we're going to talk about uh, this season later on down the road. But in Matthew 18, 17, Jesus says, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And he, if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. This is the context of a, a brother in the faith or a person in the church having a disagreement with another brother or another person in the church. So you have two people that are part of the church, and if these two people can't reconcile, if there's sin in the relationship and they can't reconcile, Jesus says to go and tell it to the church. Mm. Why does Jesus say you should belong to a church? Because the church will help you, uh, keep you from sin, keep you from a, a consistent, unrepentant heart. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing uh, to consider. The idea here is that every person who is a Christian will belong to a local church, a local group of Christians, and them being involved in that local church will aid them in their Christian walk. Um, it will encourage them to live in a certain kind of way. 
The second reason Christians should be involved in a local church is because you actually cannot obey the New Testament without being a part of a church. Let me give you an example here. Acts or Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, what I want to ask is, who is the one another? Mm. Who is the one that we are to forgive as Christ, as, as, as God in Christ has forgiven us? Uh, this isn't just some random person. When, when, when Paul writes this letter to the church at Ephesus, he has particular Christians in mind. You know, Christians who share a, a pew or, a, you know, share a, a church with, with one another. Um, the, the Christians who exist in the part of the same church are to bear with one another and forgive one another because they realize that Christ has forgiven them. They should also be able to forgive one another. You don't get that if you're not a part of a church. Right. Who are you supposed to forgive? Um, you're supposed to forgive the people that God has forgiven. How do you know the people that God has forgiven? Well, they're a part of the church with you. They've made that profession of faith that Peter has made. Give you another example, Colossians 3, 13. It says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. What do you do with complaints in the Christian life when people complain about you? If you don't have a church and someone's complaining about you, What's your? I mean, what are you going to do? You're probably just going to, you know, put that person out of your life. Mm-hmm. But that actually, the the New Testament tells us to do the exact opposite. Right. If there is someone that you're a part of that you're united to in this church, and they have a complaint against you, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to reconcile, bear with one another, forgive each other as God in Christ has forgiven, or as the Lord has forgiven. And I just think about that. I say this a lot, and I I just think it is helpful for me. I love the fact that Jesus died for my sins and has forgiven me of my sins, but sometimes I have a hard time believing he died for your sins, right? Yeah. Because your <laughs> sins affect me in a way that my sins maybe don't affect me, right? right? You can sin against me, but I am, you know, my sin, yes, it might affect me, but my sin is often, you know, it's against other people and against God. It's not necessarily against myself. I sin because I want to, right? Because that's, you know, my, my flesh desires those kinds of things, and I ask God for forgiveness of those things. But whenever you sin against me, well, that feels a little bit different. Yeah. That hurts me in ways that are different than the way my own sin hurt, hurts me. Um, so I'm, I'm really quick to go to God and confess my sins, but I might be a little slower to forgive you of your sins against me. That's not the way it should be, and, yeah. and the church is the context that this works out, and that there's a mutual commitment towards one another, that when you and I become members of the same church, at that point, I now have a different kind of commitment to you than I do just to Joe Christian down the street. You know, uh, I know a lot of other pastors and a lot of other folks in, in the community where we live. Yesterday, I was in Walmart, and I met this guy this week who we kind of run in the same circles for a long time, but hadn't really met each other. And then uh, I ran into him at Walmart, literally ran into him at Walmart. I was walking out getting something. And, you know, it's just great to, you know, have a conversation with another Christian, another pastor here in the community. But my relationship to him and my relationship to you as a member of the church are actually fundamentally different. You know, I can pray for him, and I can care for him, and I can hope that his ministry is thriving and doing well. But my commitment to you, I have to forgive you. You know, if you ask for for forgiveness from God and God forgives you, then I, as your brother in Christ, I have to forgive you because we're a part of the same church. You don't get that if you're not a part of the church. You don't get that kind of forgiveness. Now, to be said... 
there are some churches who don't do this very well. You know, yeah. there are some churches where forgiveness isn't freely given, but that is not the fault of the the biblical instruction. It's not as if the Bible is wrong and we need to amend the Bible. We need to amend our hearts, you know, and amend amend the way that we think about the brothers and sisters that fill the pews or fill the chairs in our church. Uh, another another example here in John 15, 16 and 17, this is from the mouth of Jesus speaking to his disciples right before he goes to the cross. Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And in reading that, I tried to draw out the you's. You see how many times it's given there. But all of the you's in those sentences are actually plural. They're actually (laughs) y'alls. And you know, you can make fun of being in the South as much as you want, but we we have the best like uh, pronoun for a collective group of people in the second person. There's a difference between saying, "Hey, you go do this," and "Hey, y'all go do this." Yeah. And Jesus here is saying, "Hey, y'all need to do this. You group of disciples, you all. Um, I, I command you all so that you all will love one another." There's a communal thrust to the command of Jesus. Now, when I read, I, I you know. I kind of want someone at some point to produce a copy of the Old and New Testament that translates the use as y'alls, um, and I kind of don't because it's so redneck, right. you know. Uh, but but I think it helps make sense of uh, of the text there. These are these are commands that are not just given to one Christian individually, but to multiple Christians corporately. I would say those are some of some of the reasons why being a part of the church is so important in the Christian life. Uh, yeah. if, if you're not a part of the church, if you're just saying, hey, it's me and Jesus, well, who are you bearing with? Who are you forgiving? Who are you ministering to? Who are you, who are you loving? Just anyone, anywhere? If you're right. a part of the church, you have a, a, a direct and definite group of people that you're supposed to love and to care for, that you get to love and care for because Christ loves them and cares for them. Again, John 13, 35, Jesus says, this is how people will know you're my disciples, if you show love for one another. Um, yes, we should love our neighbor. Yes, we should love everyone that we get the opportunity to show love to. But that starts with fellow Christians. Like if you're if you're struggling to love your fellow brother or sister in Christ, you're going to have a really hard time loving the atheist down the road who doesn't love your Jesus. You know, to love the person who thinks that you're you know closed minded or those kinds of things. If you can't love the same person that Christ loves and is commanded to love you, you're going to have excuse me a really hard time. Uh, loving those people who are maybe more difficult to love. Yeah. Well, and as you were talking, I thought of this example, and if I'm wrong, just let me know. My thought was, because you can do that. My thought was, you know, growing up in a home with siblings, there were times that me and my sister, we didn't get along. But at the end of the day, I had to forgive her right. because she's my sister right. and because I love her. Yeah. And so, but then uh, <laughs> I feel like, obviously, I have cousins that I don't have inside of my house. Right. And so I love them, yeah. and I forgive them, but I don't know as much of... I don't have that relationship that I have with my sister yeah. inside of my home. Right. And so I feel like that's the same thing with the Christian life in the church. These are my siblings. These are yeah. the people I'm closest to. And one of the things I love about Creekside is when we do take the Lord's Supper, one of the things that we encourage is if you ha- if you have conflict with sure. someone, to go to them at that time right. and take take the Lord's Supper together you yeah. know, and forgive one another. Right. And so that's huge. Um, whereas we still love our other Christians, of Absolutely. course, but they're they're kind of our cousins. Yeah, you know? I think that's I think that's a good illustration, James. Um, you know, 
and the Bible does talk about the church as the, the family of God, you know, the household of God. Yeah. So I think that's an important thing to consider. The church membership is a is like a family thing that you when you become a Christian, you get a new family. Um, not that you are, you know, you not that you have to change your last name and no longer become a part of your former family, but your spiritual family becomes that local church. I, I think I just, that's just so important. Yeah. Um, I, I heard an illustration some week. I can't remember who who said this, um, but it was it's like you know. If you show up to the uh, the family table, you know the dinner yep. table at night. There's four people that live in your house, right? Yeah, you're expecting four people to be there, and you're expecting the same four people every night. You know, there's three people that live in my house. I'm expecting the same three people. Um, if I'd show up for dinner one night and it's just like some strangers there, I'm gonna ask, like, what what happened? Like, right. where's my wife? Like, where where are the people who are normally here in this house? Um, and so I think that's a helpful way to think about your your commitment is to the same. People now. I have people into my house all the time that aren't a part of my family that join us for a meal, uh, and that's a great and wonderful thing. But my commitment, my relationship to them is just fundamentally different. So, and I think yeah. to take it one step further, yeah, you've got your family members who live in your house. Maybe you've got your cousins who you care about, who you have a different relationship with, and then you got the person who cuts you off in the Walmart parking lot. You know, your <laughs> yeah. relationship with them is even different. Now, should you love and forgive that person? Absolutely. Uh, but that's going to be different than if you're you know, your sibling cuts you off in the Walmart parking lot. You know, you're going to, hey, what in the world's going on, right? right. That kind of thing. Um, so just just being mindful of that. I think it's a helpful way for Christians to think about my primary love and my primary care and concern is for these local Christians in this local church. My secondary level and concern might be for the ministries of other Christians and other local churches. I can still love and yeah. care for and provide for them. And then thirdly, um, the you know the, the the unbelieving world. I, should I love them? Absolutely. But yeah. you should you should you should not um, just love them. You should also love your believing brothers and sisters and your fellow Christians. Yeah. So far, we have been talking about the people inside the church. So my next question is, uh, what do you think that people outside of a local church actually miss out on? Yeah, I got four things I wrote down when I was thinking about this question. So let me just give those and give some comments about it. First is opportunities to serve regular Christians in an ordinary way. Mm -hmm. Second thing is encouragement. Third thing I would say is you miss out on what is supposed to be your priority in the Christian life. You've got a mismanagement of priorities as a Christian if you're not a part of a local church. The fourth thing, which I think is important, is the assurance of salvation. So let me just talk about those four things real quick. First, opportunities to serve others in a regular, organic way. Um, one, the one thing I love about Creekside is um, when we have like a need in the church, people are like really quick to meet that need. So like we had a family get sick with COVID and have a pretty rough time with it, and they they just called me and they said we've just had so much food dropped off at our house. Yeah. Like we don't have an appetite because we've got COVID, <laughs> but man, it's uh, it's been so wonderful to just like be loved and served in that way. And that kind of stuff is just happening all the time without anybody having to say, like, hey, go and do this. Right. And I think that's just a really practical expression uh, of what's going on. When someone has a, you know, has a family member die and there's a funeral, um, you know, members of the church just show up. Like, that's just, that's just a regular, common kind of thing. Uh, when there's a kid in the youth group who has a soccer game, it's just not uncommon to see just people in the church just show up for that and encourage those, those kinds of things, just build those kinds of relationships. Uh, I've got a guy that I call anytime I've got a problem in my truck, you know, hey, can you tell me what's wrong with it? Really practical kind of stuff that's just, you know, opportunities to, to serve people that are just right. organic. You don't have to sign up for them. You don't have to register for them. They just kind of show up that way. Hey, can you watch my kids this week so I can go and do this particular thing? Uh, that kind of stuff happens all the time in a local church. 
if you're not a part of it, you're 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 missing it. Uh, I had a friend who moved to a new city, I uh, moved to a new town, and he was just telling me how difficult it was with him and his wife, and he has two kids that are really young, and he said, it's just a really hard thing right now because we don't really have any family close by. And I just said, hey, and he's a believer. I said, have you joined a local church? Have you found a local church? And he just kind of like, no, I haven't. I said, man, I, th- I think that will really help your, not just you, but help your family. Um, just have some encouragement. The kids, you know, can can be instructed. You can meet some other families there in the community that are that are there. Uh, be incarnational with them. Um, I think that's a really just helpful, practical thing. And you don't just join a church so you have someone to help watch your kids, right? It's not. Right. It's not at all what I'm saying. But just those opportunities for service, those opportunities for support. You miss those if you're not a part of a church. Yeah. Second thing is encouragement. Um, I can't tell you the number of times I just get random texts from people, and I just randomly text people. I say, hey, I prayed for you this morning. Like, there's nothing going on in their life. They just, uh, they, I just came across their name and thought, you know what? I need to pray for them today, and I'll just pray for them and just text them that. Uh, I'll share scripture with folks. You know, if someone will share with me something they're going through and I'm reading my Bible that week, I'll just, hey, here's here's some uh, passage of scripture that I've that you came to mind when I read this. You know, th- those different kinds of things. You miss out on that encouragement. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, the, the Bible verse about church attendance, you know, don't forsake um, the gathering together of yourselves as is the habit of some. The other side of that is, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the idea there, the opposite of not attending church is not attending church. The opposite of not attending church is encouragement. Mm. And that's, and so, and likewise, the opposite of encouragement is not attending church. So if you're not at church, you're not going to find opportunities to encourage just regular Christians. And again, this takes some initiative on your part. Like you're not just going to show up at a church for the first time and automatically feel welcome and like everyone's encouraged you and all that kind of stuff. I hope that if you show up at the church for the first time that you're welcomed, that people want to get to know you and get to know your name and that kind of stuff. Um, but you shouldn't just expect this like overwhelming, oh, I'm I'm so radically encouraged because I came to the church one time. This is something that takes some time to yeah. grow into, but I think that once you grow into it, you find like this is this is actually how the church is supposed to be. This is how it's supposed to function. The third thing is a mismanagement of priorities. If you're a Christian and you're not a part of a local church, like if you don't show up to a church on a Sunday and someone notice and recognize that you're there and that you're a part of it. I would say that your priorities are mismanaged as a Christian. Um, either you, 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 you know, some people have a job or they can't work certain, be there certain Sundays. And I get that. Um, so sometimes there's, you know, sick kids and I, I get that. But if you're not regularly a part, regularly attending a local church, I would say your priorities are mismanaged as a Christian. Why? Because Jesus commands us to love one another, to have relationships with one another. And I think about, um, we just shared this illustration, but I think about the church as like the family meal, like the family gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, you should know the people that sit around your your table as a family, and I think the same is true in the church. Now, especially in a larger church, you know, even a normative-sized church, you're not going to know everyone. You're right. not going to have a perfect relationship with every person there. But is it, do you know anybody? Right. You know, do you know somebody? Is there someone that you can that you can encourage? Someone you can bear with? Someone that you can go to if you're struggling and have problems? Um, if not, I would say your your priorities are mismanaged. Um, the Bible commands us to do a few things very consistently and habitually. Um, you know, to 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 demonstrate love and kindness towards one another, one another, to gather regularly with the church. You see this in Acts chapter 2, what it meant for the first Christians to, you know, to be the church is to regularly be together. And I would say if you don't have any opportunities in the course of your week, in the course of your life, I would just question what are your priorities yeah. as a Christian? 
Fourth thing is assurance of salvation. And here's, I think this is a big one. Um, going to church reminds me that I'm a Christian. Um, even, even as the pastor of the church, I remember when the COVID, uh, pandemic like first kind of started and there was that stay at home order and we didn't know what COVID was. And we thought, I, you know, I thought, Hey, it's going to kill everybody everywhere. You know, let's stay away from each other. Um, you know, the more information we got, the more we learned, um, some people still think it's going to kill everyone everywhere. You know, it's a terrible thing. Um, but it's, you know, at those first couple weeks, the first six weeks or so of, uh, of, of, the COVID quarantine where I was just at home on Sunday and we we're just like kind of watching church online. Uh, I was just like, man, there are a couple mornings I was, I was sitting on the porch reading my Bible and I was just kind of, am I a Christian? Like I, I, I wonder that because I, my, my, something in my body just felt wrong about not being with other Christians. Now my assurance of salvation doesn't come from the fact that there are other Christians there, but whenever you gather with the church and you guys proclaim the gospel together, Whenever you see the faith of other Christians, whenever you sing songs about the Lord and about the gospel, um, that encourages your faith in a way that listening to a good podcast and reading your Bible by yourself just doesn't. Uh, yeah. There was an old old Puritan, I think that it was, uh, he said that the Christ in my brother is stronger than the Christ in me. Uh, and so like sometimes if, you, if you're down and you're depressed, that your um, that your brother or your sister in Christ can encourage you in a way that you won't be able to encourage yourself. Right? They can speak the word of Christ to you in such a way that you might not hear if you just read it in the scripture yourself. They can encourage you and speak into you and into your situation in some in some unique and profound ways. Um, I just share this quick little anecdote. We had a family in our church that. Um, individuals going through cancer treatments and, uh, you know, pretty tough time. And the prognosis was good, you know, uh, and still, it still is good. You know, she's going to be okay. Uh, but right in the middle of that early diagnosis, I remember I was sitting one row over from this couple at church with my wife and we were singing some song. I don't remember what it was, uh, but I just remember hearing this, this husband of this, of this woman who has, you know, has cancer and they're walking through this trial. I just remember hearing him singing at the top of his lungs about who God is and about what God's done. And I just thought, man, this, this is so encouraging to me as a Christian to hear this brother just sing about how good God is while he's in the midst of this trial in the midst of this valley. If I just sit at home on my couch, I'm going to miss that. Yeah. If I just sit at home and read my Bible by myself, which I do a lot, I'm going to miss out on that. And I told that brother afterwards, I just told him how much I was encouraged by his singing, by his faith, and that he encouraged me that that morning. I was built up spiritually. You miss out on that kind of assurance if you're not a part of a church. Yeah, and I think it's important, too, to talk a little bit about the streaming because that's that's something we're doing now everywhere. You know, you have to stream your service. And I remember uh, when COVID first started, we get together, you record the music, and then put it all together with a sermon. And then on Sundays, I got to watch the the service. And yeah. it was just not like, in the moment with the group six feet apart, we were having worship, you know, and we were having a good time, community get together. And, and but then it felt like when I was sitting on the couch, number one, I was trying to get the kids to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to get popcorn for some reason. Right, right. You know, and so, <laughs> but aside from all of that, just like you were saying, it's there's so many small ways to be encouraged by actually coming through the door That's and right. being around one another that we miss out on on the with the stream. Now I'm not saying that obviously if you know if you're sick or if there's a reason you've got to be right. at home, 
being yeah having those streams i think is very important right. reaching people who maybe want to search churches before they come into the door you know i think streams are very important but i don't think that it replaces that's a that's being a great point james and you know I, i've heard churches that say hey they put all of their cards into the the side of the you know the stream and we want to make it a really good production and they see it as an evangelistic tool and i'm very grateful for that you know I, the, the heart behind that is really good i've seen churches go the other direction and say hey we just clipped the cord on our stream because we didn't want to give people an excuse to to stay home because being together is just so much better like the you know the experience yeah. of Hey, I can I can FaceTime grandma at Christmas time right. or I can hug grandma's neck at Christmas time. Like what what do you want what do you want to do? I mean, 10 times out of 10 you're going to say I want to hug grandma's neck of at course. Christmas time. And I think that if if we are consumers in the church, we might think, okay, it's all right just to just to live stream things and I can sit on my couch and that kind of stuff. Um, but that's actually I, I would say if that's your mentality, I would say there's a measure of disobedience in your heart. And I don't want to say that like condemningly, no. uh, but just to encourage you that Christ has not called us to sit on the couch and watch TV. Christ has called us to get our hands dirty, to love each other, to bear with one another, to forgive one another um, as, as Christ has forgiven us. And the way we do that, one of the ways we do that is by gathering together um, as the church. So I think that's a, I think that's a helpful thing to, to, to bring up. Um, that the that the live stream is maybe a good thing. I, I've heard this category used, and I like this. If you have a providential hindrance, you know, from be, being at the church, if right. you're sick, you know, you got a child that, that something's wrong. If you run over your dog's leg and you got to take him to the vet in an emergency, right. you know, like something something like that. That's like really uh, unique. If you're homebound, then I think that you know, watching the sermon, watching the service, I think that's a viable option. But if you just got up late and it's too hard to get the kids there in the morning, I think that there's some mismanaged priorities once yeah. again. Uh, and I think you just need to reconsider what what is the church? What is it that the church wants to be doing? I, I love podcasts. Like I love listening to podcasts. When I run, I'm usually listening to a podcast, and that's a way to kind of do two things at once. Mm-hmm. But if a podcast is your church, right, you there are there is no way for you to obey a number of the commands in the New Testament that Christ gives to a church. Yeah. Yeah, and if you are in the ministry, and this is kind of a debate because I've, I've heard it even yeah. in our own church. In our church, it's been um, a debate, yeah. Yeah, like what did we do with the live stream? And I think what we've done was was really well. We, we've kept the stream, but when we go to which we do, we take communion every Sunday. And yeah. so when we get to that area, that's when the stream goes off yeah. because that is, that's the moment we're coming to the table with our family. Right. And so, um, yeah, and I, I think that there there is no such thing as online worship. If I can make that distinction, you can watch a worship service online, um, but if you're if you're watching on a screen, um, you're you're watching a, a worship gathering. You're not a part of that gathering, and that's not. I'm, I'm not trying to condemn someone no. who's watching online, but just to note the distinction between those two things. Yeah. Um, being at again, being at family dinner. Um, is one thing, and you know, if I'm out of town and I, you know, get Chinese takeout and I Facetime my wife and eat Chinese takeout, yeah. even if my wife buys Chinese takeout, and we're both eating Panda Express that night. Right, we're not actually together. Not and just together. noting noting the distinction between those two things in a marriage, uh, I think, is really easy. But I think in the church, we've made it a little more a little more difficult and a little bit harder. So yeah, yeah, and if getting inside the church means that you have to wear a mask or means that you right. need to take a 
tube of Germex with you because you're afraid that you might catch something. That's not offensive now, which I think at one point it was. It, we thought, oh, what, what do you think you're going to get something? And now we're like, oh, well, that's accepted. Yeah. Just go and ahead. I, you know, and I would encourage you, if that is you and you're afraid to come to church, um, your pastor wants to know like what's going on. And yeah. if, if it's if it's something where you are really that afraid of, of COVID, you know, I would just encourage you to reach out to your pastor and say, hey, this is this is why I'm not coming. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I really try to be, be mindful and be careful about that. Um, and I'm, I'm certain that your pastor is going to be understanding about that I'm prayerfully. And if he's, if he's not, then I would have a further conversation there. Um, but I just know as, you know, as a pastor here at this church, if someone is a really afraid, um, you know, of, of COVID, I want to point them to Christ. You know, I want to point them towards, towards what he's done and that we, as Christians, we don't fear death. Uh, you right. know, that's that's the greatest thing about the Christian life. But at the same time, we still do wear our seatbelts. And so, like, being mindful of all of those things. I have a question for you, though, James. Okay. You said a minute ago that you bring a tube of Germex. Where Maybe. do you get tubes of, of Germex? <laughs> you know? Um, question three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it does lead me into the next question. Um, not about tubes. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about the importance of being in the church, and, and where, where in the Bible do we see that it's important to be a part of the church if you're going to have a Christian life? That's a great question, and I would say in the letters in the New Testament that Paul writes, nearly all of them are written to local churches, to the church at Rome, to the church at Philippi, to the mm-hmm. church at Ephesus. So the letters themselves are addressed to groups of Christians that are called churches. Um, there are very few exceptions to this in the New Testament. I think if you think about that for a minute, you see that the the churchiness of the Christian life is actually just baked into the New Testament, that it's not something, again, you can't really separate it. You can distinguish it between what is a church thing and what's not a church thing, but Paul you know, just has kind of this expectation that all Christians are going to be a part of a local church in some shape, form, or fashion. Even you read the book of Revelation, it's a letter written to seven churches, and that letter was supposed to circulate around to those seven different churches with a message for them uh, from, from the Lord Jesus Christ. So the New, Ter- the New Testament excuse me, assumes this will be the case, as you see in the book of Acts. And to give you one scriptural example, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And there's where you get some of the language of membership in the church. A body has many members, uh, and so there are many individuals who comprise the body of Christ. Um, And I think it's important there, you notice in verse 12, I had someone point this out to me at one time, and something that I read, I think, but notice that it doesn't say, so it is with the church. Mm. It says, so it is with Christ. So what we're doing as the church has some level of relationship directly to who we are in Christ, yeah. um, to, what, to what we are to be in Christ, to be His body. And to be His body, um, you, you've, got to, you've got to know who are the other members of the body of Christ. In a sense, it, the church universal, you know, right. absolutely. I, w- I would say, yeah, there is, there is only one church. But 1 Corinthians is actually written to a local church in the city of Corinth that had a lot of problems, um, and they are meant to be dealt with like in the context of the local church, and that's what this encouragement, this affirmation is for. So I don't think you can take this principle and blow it up and say, well, hey, there's just the universal church. There's no such thing as the local church. 
I think that the witness in the New Testament would would strongly disagree oh, with yeah. that. While the New Testament is written for all Christians everywhere at all times, the context there is to direct local churches. Definitely. Is there any concluding thoughts that you have on the importance of the church? Um, just that I, you know, I have been so blessed and encouraged to be a part of so many uh good churches in my life, uh, be involved with them and be encouraged by them. So mm-hmm. um, just encourage you, maybe if you're, if you are struggling if you're in your Christian life, uh, that maybe the thing that will help you is to be more committed to the local church. Yeah. Yeah. And to be that encourager. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, well, that's wonderful. We appreciate you guys taking the time out to listen or watch our podcast. Uh, as always, we'll be back here next week, so stay tuned. And uh, do you have any, do you have something else you wanted to say? Nope. No. Okay. Then we're gonna go. You guys have a wonderful week, and we'll see you right back here on the Creekside Podcast. Mm-hmm.